listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. You're listening to the Rainmaking Podcast, and my name is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me on the show today. The sale is in the tale. That's the name of a book that I read written by our guest, John Livesey. And this book is absolutely remarkable. It's a business fable, which means it's a story about how to tell stories when you're in sales. Now, if you're in the business of getting business, you know that telling a story is the best way to get people's attention. And John tells you exactly how to do that in his book. Now, our topic today on our show is Tell Stories, Win Sales. Let me tell you about John. Sometimes I meet people that are just remarkable, and they have this very specific idea, and they can articulate that in a way that it makes so much sense so that you can apply it the day you hear it and you see results from that, which is what happened with me. As you know, I own a company that does recruiting. I recruit partners for big law firms. So I'm selling to people who are risk-averse, guarded, untrusting, and hate change. And I've been able to use some of the ideas that I learned from John to see a marked difference in how people respond to me. So John is the pitch whisperer. He's a sales keynote speaker where he shows company sales teams how to turn mundane case studies into compelling case stories so that they win more new business. Who doesn't want more of that? Make sure you connect with John. You can get his information on the show notes. You can connect with him. Just go to the show notes, connect with him on LinkedIn. As always, this show is sponsored by Leopard Solutions, Legal Intelligence, Suite of Products, Firmscape, and Leopard BI. Push ahead of the pack with the power of Leopard. Thanks for listening, and I hope you get some great ideas from my interview with John Livesey today. Hey, this is Scott Love. I've got John Livesey here with me on the Rainmaking Podcast. And today, our topic is telling stories, winning sales. John, thanks for joining me on the show. Scott, it's a pleasure. Looking forward to a great conversation. Absolutely. And one thing I'm going to start out with is a plug for your book, The Sale is in the Tale. Uh, this is fantastic. I think that you really disguised it as a story that people want to keep reading mm. because it's a business fable where I want to know what happens to the protagonist. How does he yes. overcome that challenge? And you buried some really good nuggets in here. So props mm -hmm. to you. Good job on that. We're going to Thank put a you. link to that book on the show notes. So I wanted to start with that so our listeners understand that you're a storyteller that tells a really good story about how we can make more sales by telling good stories. So that's like a triple win. So good job on that. Thank and, you. And so tell me this then. There are a couple of things that you talk about in the book. And you talk about a repository brainstorm. Mm. Uh, and I know that people, they're going to come across this when they read a book, but that was one of the most insightful things that I read there. What does that mean exactly when you talk about a repository brainstorm? Sure. When I worked with um, companies like Olympus Medical, I gave a keynote to their sales team. I taught them how to turn boring case studies into compelling case stories that they could share with doctors and hospitals to get them to want to buy their equipment versus their competitors. And so after we had all of those stories done, and it was across three separate divisions, I suggested that they create a repository map, which was interactive. Right. right. And you could click on any one state and up would pop that particular salesperson's case story. And that's what they're using to not only win new business, but share with other reps and other divisions to make introductions to break down silos between. And I know a lot of law firms struggle to get cross-selling across practice areas. So when you have stories that uh, makes you not 
feel so hesitant or worried about what to say. You just simply share a two or three minute story of how somebody in another division helps somebody. And that makes it the introductions across divisions and breaks down silos. And it also has become, Scott, unsurprisingly, a onboarding tool because you people can say to a new rep or a new lawyer or whoever it is, you know, until you get your own success stories, you can start sharing the stories of uh, your colleagues. And also on there is their own personal story of how they got into medical sales or law or whatever it is. And you get to know your colleagues from a personal story of them. And man, that is magic because one particular woman, Melissa, said, well, I was a microbiologist for years. I just didn't want to spend my whole life behind a microscope. So I got into medical sales. And they said, we've worked with you for two years, Melissa. We never knew that. So it taps, people feel seen and heard when you have a place where they can share their personal stories as well as their case stories. This is interesting. And I hear that there are different variables that align well so that the results are both increasing sales, Mm -hmm. our prospective clients become clients they want to buy from us, but also building that internal team just through stories. So tell me again, you said people want to feel seen and heard. Is that right? That is correct. So especially if you're new in a company or you're managing people remotely. And so when you give them a place to not only share their success case story, but their personal story, that's what makes them feel seen and heard and part of the culture and part of the tribe. That's great. And so why do you think this is so powerful? What is it about a story that causes us to feel seen, to feel heard, to get prospects Mm -hmm. to want to buy from us? Well, Scott, we're literally wired for storytelling. If you go back to the day when we all lived in caves, you know, they told stories by fire and painted them on the walls. And so access is a different part of our brain. If you go in presenting a bunch of facts and figures, which tech people and lawyers love to do, you're in the analytical, you know, analysis paralysis kicks in. But if you tell a story, people relax a little bit. They go, oh, this might even be entertaining. And you go on the journey with, them. And they're much more receptive to responding emotionally, which is the whole secret that most people don't realize is people buy emotionally and then back it up with logic. But yeah. you you lead with logic, you are not memorable. And so stories do two things for us. They make us memorable. And secondly, they make us magnetic. Instead of pushing out facts, you pull people in with the story. That's fantastic. Tell me about a time where you worked with an organization and they didn't have any clue as to how to do this. And you built this, I'd say this framework Mm -hmm. or this this concept. How did you start from zero to Mm -hmm. now they're increasing their cross uh, communication across departments? They're increasing more business with clients. Give me an example of that, John. Well, let's go back to Olympus Medical. You know, when I started working with them, they were saying to doctors, you know, this equipment we have will make your surgeries go 30% faster don't you want one? And it seemed so logical to them. They couldn't understand why they weren't getting more sales. And I said, there's no story there. So I asked a few questions and now they tell this short little case story. Imagine how happy Dr. Higgins was six months ago down at Long Beach Memorial using this equipment and he could go out to the patient's family in the waiting room an hour earlier than expected. And if you've ever waited for somebody you love to come out of surgery, you know, every minute feels like an hour. The doctor came out, put them out of their waiting misery and said, good news, the scope shows they don't have cancer. And then turned to the rep and said, you know, this is why I became a doctor for moments like Mm. Now that rep tells that story, Scott, to another doctor at another hospital. And the secret here is that doctor sees themselves in the story and says, that's why I became a doctor. I want your equipment too. 
That's fantastic. Client said, oh, that gives us chills. Not only are we not telling a story, it never occurred to us to make the patient's family a character in the story. And the secret there is the doctor is the hero, not the rep, not the equipment. And the equipment and the rep are just the Sherpa that helped the doctor become the hero in that story. And you see how I pulled you in by saying, if you've ever waited for someone you love, and even if you haven't, you could probably imagine it or you know someone who had to do that. That's great. That's brilliant, John. Thank you. When, at what point in your career did you realize that this is significant? This is what it's mm. all about. Well, I was selling advertising for Condé Nast, which is a lot of different brands from GQ to Wired to Vanity Fair, W, you name it at the time. And uh, I was living in Southern California and Lexus was one of my accounts. And their agency would say, you know, we looked at uh, 20 different magazines and websites and we've narrowed it down to 10. We're going to pick three. So 10 of you get to come in for media day, 30 minutes each, back to back to back and tell us why we should pick you. But do not talk about numbers. We've already analyzed that. That's why you're in the finalists. And half of the reps were a deer in headlights. What? I can't talk about circulation or my reader's income. I don't know what I'm going to talk about. And I realized whoever told the best story of the marketing idea and what the editor's vision was and how that attracted the right psychographic for this particular model launch would be the one that got the sale. That's great. And you did it. Mm-hmm. And once you know that storytelling is something you can learn, it's not this gift that only a few are given. It's not like a athlete or an opera singer or something that you you know, have to train for years and years and years, and you have to have this innate talent, there's a structure to storytelling. And I'm happy to share it with your listeners so that they can have a starting point on what do I need to do to start telling better stories? Yeah, that'd be great. What's the framework for that? There's four parts. The first okay, part great. is the exposition. Think of mm-hmm. yourself like a journalist, Scott. The who, what, where, when, paint that picture, give us some detail. Um, And if you noticed in the Olympus medical example, I said the doctor's name, how long ago it was, and what hospital he was at. So we have a sense of structure where we're in the story. Then the second part is the problem. And the stakes have to be fairly high or we don't care about the story. And the problem in the Olympus medical example is, you know, that poor patient's family is waiting and every minute feels like an hour. The solution is the third step. And that's when the doctor comes out and says, Good news. Scope shows they don't have cancer. And then here's the magic fourth part, the resolution. What is life like after the solution? If Imagine if the Wizard of Oz ended when Dorothy got in the balloon to go back to Kansas and it was like, the end. Yeah. But no, there's that wonderful scene where she's in bed and, oh my God, there's no place like home and you were there and I'm so grateful. And that's what makes that a classic story. And in this case, the resolution to the story was the dialogue that the doctor had with the rep about, this is why I became a doctor. Without that resolution on that story, it wouldn't be nearly as powerful. That's great. I like how you give that structure, John. This is something I see with law firms, especially as they're trying to recruit, is that mm. they think all they have to do is show the statistics. All they have to do is say they've got great culture, but the problem is all their competition has great culture too. Yes. It's kind of like saying, we've got airbags. Everybody's got airbags. It's, it's <laughs> right. just, you've got I air remember, conditioning uh, in your car. Oh, yeah, that's right. Gosh. It's just, yeah. that's table stakes now. But each story is unique because it's their story. And that's something I've tried to do when I try to recruit people is here is the arc. Here is yes. the problem. You're the solution. You can come in and be the hero. And that's what really motivates all of us, I think. So I think- you know, props again to you for really coming up with something that has some structure 
And I think all of us, we like to see how do we put this all together? And in your book, you don't really say, here's the formula, here's the recipe. You have a story (laughs) that brings us through. And we're rooting for the protagonist. And we realize that there's a challenge. What's he going to do? Is he going to go left or is he going to go right? And how does, and then sure enough, as we learn how to do this, uh, we're along for that ride. One of the things readers love is at the end of the book, after the story is over, the fable is over, there is the methodology that you get to, can look at and learn exactly what was going on as you were learning it without really realizing you were learning it. That's right. That's right. And so tell me then, you talk about a case story and not a case study. Mm-hmm. And when you say a case story, what does that mean exactly? Well, even the word study sounds like homework from my right. <laughs> school days, case study. You know, like, I'm going to tell you a case study. Nobody gets excited about here. Oh God, another case study. And a case story is exactly what I just shared of that story of the doctor putting the patient's family out of their misery. So taking people on that journey, I can give you another example of it, is the secret because when you tug at people's heartstrings, Scott, they open the purse strings. Yeah. And what's so great about a case story is it's three things. Is it clear? Is it concise? And is it compelling? Now, why does it have to be clear? Because the confused mind will always say no. If you put in a bunch of acronyms or whatever it is that nobody understands, they're just like, I don't get that. Why does it have to be concise? So that people can remember and repeat it at what I call the meeting after the meeting. Mm. So put yourself in a client's shoes. Let's say they're interviewing law firms. They hear three presentations. Then at the end, they have their meeting after the meeting. They go, well, what'd you think? They all sound the same. I guess we should go with the cheapest. Yeah, right. But if you're the one that's told a story that they can remember and repeat, you know, I really like what Scott Love did and what he said and why we should pick his firm over another firm to find us the new CEO or whatever the job is. Then you've got brand advocates remembering your stories. And then of course, why does it have to be compelling? Because it sticks with us if there's some emotion in the story. Yeah, that's right. That's right. People love it. You're absolutely right. And so, so there were some other nuggets that I got out of this, such as the five, five, five. And what do we call that, by the way? We call that the secret to when life gives you a red light. So when you and I go in our car and we get a red light, uh, we don't suddenly take that personally, do we? No. <laughs> but no. when we get a red light in business, we get the no, we get the rejection. We can go, oh, how could they say no to me? We can. So my goal is to get people to treat a red light at a traffic the same way when you get a red light in your career. So I've come up with, you know, we're all going to get dis- disappointed, right. maybe uh, betrayed even, or rejected. And so the tool is something that's easy to remember and easy to use. So let's say you get cut off in traffic. Some people lose it. Sure. In the LA freeways. Um <laughs> You can say to yourself, am I going to zoom out, pretend you're the movie director of your own life and ask yourself, will this matter in five minutes? How about five hours from now? How about five days from now? Well, hopefully that'll be in your rear view mirror and you'll let it go. But we have the ability to get back up faster. And that's the secret to resilience. How fast do you get back up after you've been knocked down? So it's something that I work with clients on and it becomes part of their culture along with storytelling where they'll get a no or something that upsets them. And they say, you know what? I was on the phone with my colleague and we just decided let's five, five, five this. We're not going to talk about it anymore. We're going to let it go and move on. I think that's great. Yeah, It really helps everybody. Now, sometimes you say, you know, life happens and things five days from now, like when my father passed away several years ago, 
Yeah, I was still really sad five days after that. So we can do it again. How about five weeks, five months, five years from now? And I, I love wish it. I had, had this tool when I my dad died, Scott, because I would go back to my younger self and say, you know, five years from now, you're still going to miss him. Yeah. She won't be this sad. Mm. I think that's insightful. I think that you definitely understand people, John, and how to help us to really overcome that, especially in a sales business. And I love, I'm going to read what you wrote here. This is on page 30 of your book. You talk about, uh, we have three cameras at our disposal. <laughs> yes. The first is how we see things. What lens are you using? Is it a wide angle or a close-up lens? The second is the choice to see things from others' perspectives on the ability to show empathy for what they see and feel. And the third is the ability to zoom out and see the big picture. And so just this, this mental tool that you gave us with the 555, how important this will this be or stressful five minutes from now? How about five days or five years from now? So thank you so much for sharing this with the reader. I mean, this is these are just really good tools mm -hmm. that you gave us that it's just an easy tool that I can yeah. put in my tool belt that I use. Uh, the other one on page 35, you, th you talk about ingredients. If you leave out an ingredient, it's not going to come out good. The same thing with sales. We need to have all the ingredients for a good outcome. And at the bottom of page 35, this is something I remember reading years ago about pre-play and replay. Mm. The key is to getting into the right mindset. Stack your moments of certainty. Yes. Uh, do it before every sales call. Write down three or four times you got a yes. And this is something I do when I'm recruiting lawyers. It's hard. Before <laughs> I make those tough calls, I replay previous yes. successes. I called a group leader with a big book. Yes, he wants to talk to me. Yes, he wants to move. I just recall three or four of those moments before I make that next call. So you definitely understand how people sell in the emotional context of that, John. I love that you're using that already. And one of the things I want to reemphasize with that is when you're recalling the wins, the yeses, put a feeling attached to it. Yeah. I felt exhilarated. I felt happy. I felt proud. I felt confident. Because when we have the feelings associated with the memories, and then we go into the situation, those are the feelings we're bringing to that situation. Yeah, that's right. And that's something when I used to do a lot of training to the recruiting industry, I had this one topic called the placement pill. <laughs> where I always say, whenever you make a placement or in sales parlance, whenever you close a big sale, what's the next thing you should do? Make another call. Why is that? Have your roll. skills improved? Yeah, your skills haven't improved. Your technical expertise hasn't increased, but it's the emotional context of the win that yeah. affects your confidence. And so I would teach people how to change their emotional state as if they just took a pill. Mm. Wow, I, feel, you know, I, I called it the placement pill. Yes. <laughs> That's right, the matrix. Uh -huh. well, Blue or when, red. <laughs> when Jaguar hired me as a sales keynote speaker to speak to their team, I realized that even if you're selling something that's luxurious and expensive, there's still some fear of rejection going on. Yeah, right. And after the no with the 555, I said to them, here's what I recommend. Before the next person walks into the showroom or the phone rings or you make a call, you proactively call somebody you sold a car to in the last three to six months. And don't try to sell them anything. Just ask them how they're enjoying driving the car. Yeah. It will remind you of why you do what you do and what a happy customer sounds like. So you've let go of the previous <laughs> no. It's like sorbet in between courses in a restaurant. Absolutely right. I would teach people to start their day with a dial and break through that, uh, that hesitation, that membrane of resistance. Just start mm. your day with a dial. It's like, like sales and recruiting. It's just you're in this cold swimming pool and you never want to dive in. But once you're in, you don't want to get out. Yeah. So, so I think you and I think very similarly about this, yes. John. 
So tell me then, if we could kind of bring this down to uh, three action steps, if people mm-hmm. are going to look at really developing their stories, understanding yes. their origination story, understanding the, all the other variables that you gave us, what would be three action steps people can take to really start implementing these ideas? The first step is to figure out what your story of origin is. Now, this is different than an elevator pitch. Your story of origin is why did you get into whatever your field is? Give us a sense of your personality. I was working with some architects and one said, oh gosh, when I was 11 years old, I played with Legos. Now I have a son that's 11. I still play with Legos with him. And I had that same passion I did as a kid for architecture. So people get a sense of you from your story of origin. It's a great rapport building tool. And also then you can ask the doctor, the lawyer, whoever you're talking to, how did you get into this? And it really bonds you. That's the first action step. That's great. That's such a brilliant concept, by the way. Thanks. Yeah. Second part is what you were talking about. What is it about your company that other people can't say? Like, oh, we have a great culture. Oh, we have the Figure out a story of what your company's doing. And if it's, even if it's just your own company, that shows your values in action. My favorite example of that is Tom's Shoes, where you buy a pair and they buy a pair and donate them. You know, right. So have a, figure out what your company's story is that shows those values in action that you can share with people. We really celebrate diversity. We've hired whatever it is uh, that reflects that. It's not just a concept. And have a specific example of someone in a high level. And then the third is go and look at all your testimonials and your existing case studies on your website or wherever it is and say, is this a story or is this just a sentence or is this just factual information of what somebody did? Turn that case study into a case story. That's the third action step. That's great. And and so this is something that you've worked with people on uh, tell us about your offerings. I know that you have a text code that we can text yes. people to. Uh, tell us about the things that you do besides your book, your keynote speak. What are the other offerings that you have that our sure. listeners should know about you, John? Well, you sort of teased out the gift for everybody. If you take out your phone and text the word pitch, that's P-I-T-C-H, to 66866, you get the first chapter of my book for free. In addition to giving keynote talks on the power of storytelling. I've also got a talk on how to use storytelling to recruit top people because a lot of companies and real estate law firms, architects are trying to get people to leave uh, their competitors to come over, but they haven't been trained on how to tell a story to do that. So that's a new topic that's a really demand now with the way staffing issues are. People who haven't really had to recruit before. Let's say you're really great at selling homes or designing law firms but you don't really know how to sell yourself as a great boss or any of those things. So that's another tool. And I have an online course called Revenue Rockstar Mastery. That's that's great. People can take at their own leisure. It's 10 minutes a day for 10 days. And then there's some online coaching that goes with it where I get to work with you in a group to help you fine tune those stories. Well, John, this is fantastic. Thank you for sharing all of your wisdom for us. And I know I'm going to have you back here on the show in the future. Thanks so much for being a great guest today. Thanks, you, Scott. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com. Thank you.